0: Hey everybody, come on in here. Well, yes, this is where Coffee with Scott Adams happens every day at this same time. DJ Dr. Funk Juice, thank you for your continued support on Twitter. I know what you want now. Yeah, it's obvious. It's written all over your faces. You're looking for the simultaneous sip. Well, you came to the right place. You did. And all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or a chalice or a stein, a canteen jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better, the simultaneous sip. Go. Ah. So, as you're aware, the um, biggest news of the day is this uh, coronavirus that seems to have started in China from eating bats or something. I'm not sure I believe the story of, of where it's uh, starting, but as you know, it's a it's a major outbreak. It's killed 26 people. Hundreds of people have been infected. China is closing entire cities. Entire cities are being closed. You can't get in, you can't get out, unless you're a medical professional. So obviously this is the biggest story in the world, and equally obvious, if there's this gigantic virus problem, we don't have any kind of cure for it, we don't have shots for it, so I think it's obvious that the United States government would shut down all uh, travel between China and the United States. Now I haven't seen any stories on that, but it's it's obvious, right? I mean, there can't be this gigantic, you know, deadly virus in China that's breaking out everywhere and they can't contain it. It's fairly obvious that the uh, the U.S. government has closed all travel <clears throat> between China and. The United States. But I wanted to read you the official uh, the official statement on this. So if you'll bear with me, let me find this on CNN. Looking for the official statement from our government about how they're closing all travel with China to shut down that virus. Okay, I don't see it on CNN, CNN.com. But I don't know, maybe they're just focusing on the, uh, the impeachment or something. So let, let's go to Fox News, because obviously it's the biggest story in the country. And obviously our government is shutting down all travel. I mean, that would be the only way to keep us safe. Let's see, Fox News. Um, no, no, it doesn't seem to be on Fox News either, which, which would suggest that it's not happening. I may have warned you <coughs> in the title to this periscope that there would be some extra cursing. This would be the point of the extra cursing. So if you don't want to hear any extra cursing, this would be the time to turn down your sound. Because there's a gigantic virus outbreak in China that's deadly. And as far as I can tell from my major news sources, the government of the United States has not yet shut down all travel with China. Here it comes. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking fucking kidding me? We have not shut down all travel with China. Are you fucking kidding me? Give me a reason. Any reason. This is fucking impeachable right here. Now maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a reason. But tell us the fucking reason. If you're not going to cut down. If you're not going to shut down all, all traffic with China. Right now until you figure out what's going on, you owe us a fucking reason. All right? Government, give us a fucking reason. Or shut it down. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? So China, so far, if you connect our technology to China's technology, what do you get? You get a fucking spy virus, and, and they steal your intellectual property. So we can't connect to them technologically because they'll just steal our shit and send us spyware. We can't have travel with them because they'll send us their fucking bat virus. We can't have any kind of economic agreement with them because apparently they fucking cheat. So is there anything that we can do with China that isn't toxic? Oh, Oh, okay, sure. We can at least accept mail from China. That's safe. No, it's not. Their mail is full of fucking fentanyl. We can't take their mail. We can't connect to them with a goddamn fucking technology. We can't let their people travel here because they're filled with their fucking bat virus. And we can't even do business with them. The fucking country is completely toxic. We need to decouple. Let's just decouple. All right, that's enough of that topic. But seriously, we need to shut down the travel, like right now. Uh, Let me give you a little update on Twitter and Google and, um, and the questions about some alleged shadow banning. I have a new hypothesis for why Twitter seems to sometimes, for some accounts, in some situations, you can follow people and then be unfollowed. If you're, follow- if you're following this story, you know that Ambassador Grinnell, uh, his account, many people, lots and lots of people, including me, reported following him multiple times, only to find later that they had somehow been unfollowed. So I did contact Jack Dorsey. I was asking about it, and he's looking into it. And I don't have an official answer yet. Um, He asked some follow-up questions that I answered. So Twitter's looking into it. But while they were looking into it, and as I mentioned before, this TikTok app that is owned by a Chinese company um, can, under some situations, ask for permission to control your Twitter account. I guess if you're gonna post your TikTok videos to Twitter, it needs some permissions. So one of the possibilities is that there's a third party app that's controlling your Twitter. And so um, I looked into my Twitter permissions. I'm sorry, I looked into my permissions for any apps to see see if I had any apps that had permission to change my Twitter account. And here's the thing. I would never give an app, a third-party app, permission to control my Twitter feed. I would never do that. Now, there are a few exceptions. Uh, one, one is Periscope itself, because you know it's a Twitter product, so I don't have a problem with Periscope being able to change my Twitter account. It's all the same company. And I did have Hootsuite, Connected because Hootsuite is a an app that lets you post to different social platforms. But here's the surprise: I had several apps, you know, minor apps, ones that you haven't even heard of, uh, that had Twitter permissions that I was unaware of until I checked my phone. That's right, a person, me, who would never intentionally give a third-party app access to my Twitter account had given eight different, I think there were eight of them, eight different apps actually had permission to change my Twitter account. If you had asked me I would have said zero because I would never consciously make that decision except in those few cases that are obviously safe. But there were several on there that were just apps I tried down at one point and another. Now at what part in the process at what part in the process did I not see that those apps were asking for that permission? Because I never would have given that permission. Not in a million years, not intentionally. So here's my new hypothesis. It's third-party apps. So I would like to ask those of you who have had any experience of following and unfollowing anybody, uh, or, or maybe even if you've been followed and unfollowed. So anybody who's had the experience of having an automatic unfollow that you, that was not yours, check your phone. Um, how do you check? Uh, I, uh, I don't remember enough to tell you, but just Google it. How, did you, how do you check your phone's um, app permissions? It'll pop right up. Just Google it, and you'll see the directions. So if i had to if I had to rank the possibilities the the names of the apps actually don't matter because, as I said, it was a variety of them I had like eight different apps, so you need to just check all of your permissions don't don't start with do I have those specific apps? just check all the permissions because it's the ones that are sneaking in there that are the problem, maybe so if we were to look at all the possible explanations for why Twitter seems to be um performing in a way that we would not expect and had not authorized. You know, the, the one is that it's senior management of Twitter trying to uh, influence the election. Personally, I give that essentially zero credibility because human nature is not such that people who are already winners, in other words, if you're a senior management or you know, you've got a ton of stock in Twitter, you're a winner in the game of life. I mean, you, you, you've done well. Right, it would be insane for them to collectively decide that they would risk their reputations, their stock, their company, risk it all for, for a scheme that would be so obvious to detect because we're all looking at it, we can detect it, we can see that you followed and unfollowed. So I would say the odds that Twitter management is behind it is basically zero. You know, I'll I'll always allow that there's always, you know, anything could happen. You could never put really zero on anything, but it's close to zero. The other possibility is that it's some kind of a bug. I think that's also close to zero because it's so obvious. It's just so obvious that how would Twitter not know about it? (laughs) How would they develop a product that's this ubiquitous, but it couldn't do the simplest thing technology can do, a little handshake between the app and the central servers that says, did you, get my, did you get my signal? Yes, I did. Okay, now I'm done. Simplest thing you could do in technology. So it's, it's not a bug, and it almost certainly is not a senior management. But having seen now how many third-party apps could have done this, I would say the odds are something like 80%. That there are uh, bad actors from the outside who are who are messing with your Twitter feed. So that's my current my current um, speculation, current hypothesis. I'll keep you updated. I'm trying to schedule a, a discussion with Google about my demonetization on YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll talk to them Monday. I'll update you on that as it happens. All right. Um, You've heard, of course, about uh, the FISA warrant story. Apparently, the Department of Justice looked at all the FISA warrants regarding this Russia collusion stuff and found that at least the last two, because there were several renewals, the last two renewals they found were not uh, based, uh, were not legitimate, basically. They did not have a basis in law. Now, it was the last two. What does that tell you? Well, unfortunately, we have at least two hypotheses that are reasonable. One hypothesis is <clears throat> that it was always biased and um, and it, it, it was rigged. So one possibility is that uh, bad actors were using this process and abusing it and they were using it to spy on the president and his team and it was all bad actors. So that's possible. The other possibility that cannot be eliminated, based on what we know, is that once you get a little bit invested in your plan, it's hard to change. So it could be that people people were just a little bit stuck in confirmation bias, there was a little bit of inertia going on, a, you know, a sprinkle of incompetence. It would be easy to imagine that because the other ones had been renewed, that people just let their guard down. They just let their guard down. Well, the last one's got renewed. Here's another one. Blah. Sign it. Do the judges read every word of everything they sign? (laughs) You hope so. But probably not if it's a renewal. If it's a renewal, you probably skim it, don't you? If you say, well, I've approved this thing three times in the past. It looks like it's just more of them, the same people I trusted last time, say to sign it. Maybe you give it a cursory review get on to other business. So I don't think you can eliminate the possibility of incompetence. But uh, certainly, uh, if, you, if you believe that uh, there are bad actors, it's going it's to lead you in that direction. The president very cheekily uh, retweeted a meme that I think came out a few years ago that showed him standing, it's a painting, that showed him standing uh, next to a window inside Trump Tower, one assumes, with a Barack Obama on the outside of the window uh, looking in. So in other words, it was a meme about Obama or his administration wiretapping or spying on the president. So rather than add any commentary, he he just tweets the humorous meme, which I thought was kind of brilliant, because it makes everybody talk about what it means. Anytime you can get people to talk themselves into the thing you wanted to say as opposed to saying it to them it's good it's it's more persuasive to get somebody to you know to work on the idea and come up with it on their own based on a few clues if you can get them to do that because that that really makes them focus and that's what he wants people to do focus on his point of view that he was right all along that the government members of the government were spying on him and his campaign at this point at this point you can just say it's true right i mean It's two movies on one screen, so some people are going to say it's not true. But I think we can say, yeah, it's true. A funny story coming out? Well, it's funny even though the topic is not funny. So there's nothing funny about discrimination. Except maybe this story. (laughs) So let me say that again. There's nothing funny about discrimination. Except maybe this. There was a man, uh, an African-American man, who is suing a Michigan bank for racial discrimination after he says the staff refused to deposit a settlement check from his other racial discrimination case. So the story, as it's reported, is that uh, an African-American man successfully sued somebody, doesn't matter who, for racial discrimination and won. And he got a big check. So he takes his big check into a bank and they... (laughs) They look at him, and they look at the check, and they think, eh, this doesn't fit. <laughs> and they called the police on him. Now, like I say, there's nothing funny about discrimination, except this story, which is kind of funny, because first of all, he won a bunch of money. So in the end, he's kind of a winner. He's getting some attention. His, you know, I'm sure he cares that his topic is getting attention, too. So he's kind of a winner, and, and he's also a fighter. I like the fact that he's a fighter. He fought the first case and he won. It happened again. He's fighting it again. I kind of like this guy. I don't know the details of the case, you know, so I'm not going to presume who's guilty or innocent, but I like a fighter. Um, but here's, here's the thing. The story as it's told is that it's a story of discrimination being so bad that this one guy runs into two major examples of it, one after another. And that's entirely possible. So it might be that the way this was reported is exactly accurate. There's so much discrimination in the country that sometimes, maybe not often, but there's enough that sometimes you'll have two really bad cases right in a row. Maybe that's what happened. But there are at least two other possibilities. (laughs) Two possibilities. The other possibility is it's fake news. Because... It fits in that category of news where, by its nature, you should doubt it's true, right? Because it's a little too clean, it's a little too perfect, it's a little too, the edges are wrapped up, but just a little too nicely on this story. So I'm not saying it's a fake news. I'm saying that the nature of the story fits into the category of stories they're probably fake news at least 80% of the time. That doesn't mean his is. I'm just saying it's in that category where you should just automatically put a filter on and say, maybe, maybe, but it's in that category. It's a little too perfect. Here's the other possibility, a third possibility. And again, I'm not saying that there was not two cases of grotesque discrimination. It's entirely possible, if not likely, that that's what happened. But here's the other possibility. Maybe it's him. <laughs> Maybe it's him. Now, I'm not saying it is, but I think it's funny that that possibility is not considered. There's a, one of my favorite comics from long ago was a guy sitting in jail, and uh, he was saying to his bunkmate, he goes, 17 arrests, 17 convictions. Maybe it's me. I've been laughing about that for years because it's it's a joke about how the last thing we consider is that it's us, because it's always something else. It's, it's other people. And when I say it's maybe it's him, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that if you're looking at all the possibilities of this story, one you can't rule out is that he looks suspicious. <laughs> not because he's black, but because some people just look suspicious. Am I right? You know who else looks suspicious? Me. I have a lifelong problem that I look suspicious. I can't tell you how many times I've been accused of things I haven't done. All the time. And I I think the reason that people regard me as suspicious is because they think I'm clever enough to get away with stuff. And if you're clever enough to get away with stuff, well, maybe you're doing it now. So in my own way, I'm one of those people who has gone through life continually being questioned about my, my honesty or my credibility when I'm actually being honest and totally credible. I am one of those personalities that people don't trust, for whatever reason. You know, um, I hope you do, and I hope I've created enough of a track record that I have credibility on here. But I'm just saying that in my interpersonal life, it's common for people to imagine I've done all manner of bad things when I haven't. So one possibility is that there's something about this individual that has nothing to do with his color that made the, the teller at the bank say, there's something wrong with this situation. It has nothing to do with his ethnicity. So that's a possibility. Anyway, but good luck to the individual involved. I do not I do not mean to suggest a uh, Anything beyond what the story itself said—that he got discriminated against twice—he's a fighter. Good for him. I hope he fights and wins this if the story is is accurately reported. Let's talk about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has lit the lit the Twitter sphere on fire by saying recently, I guess, on his podcast that uh, he'll—he says, "quote I think I'll probably vote for Bernie." And here's the reasoning he offered. He's been insanely consistent his entire life. He's basically been saying the same thing, been uh, been for the same thing his whole life. And That in and of itself is a very powerful structure to operate from. What's that mean? What does it mean to say that consistency is a powerful structure to operate from? Well, I would put a different word on it. I would call it authenticity, because I think that's what both Trump and Bernie have in common in a weirdly different way but there's something about the fact that bernie is always bernie that makes you trust that at least he has good intentions and that at least he believes what he says which is a lot right so when joe rogan says that you know that alone that consistency and and i do believe that all of the people running for president actually have the the best interest of the country in mind i really do believe that i don't think you Put that much work and risk into running for president until you've really bought off on the idea that you're trying to help the country. I just don't, in our system, I don't think you get that far unless you really believe that. So I believe Bernie believes, believes that uh, as well as all the other candidates. So how did that work out for Joe Rogan? Well, not so well. <laughs> you would think, you would think that backing Bernie would be the safest thing he could ever do, right? Because if you want the social justice warriors to be happy, well, pick a Democrat, right? Safest thing you could do in this country, if you're a public figure and you're in the entertainment field, by far the safest thing you could do for your career, your own personal safety, for everything. Pick a Democrat. That did not work out as well as he may have hoped because it turns out he's now being accused of being a white nationalist transphobe. <laughs> you can't even win. There's just no way to win. He's a... Now, obviously, if anybody has spent any time watching Joe Rogan, he's definitely not a white nationalist, or even close. right? He's not even in the zip code of a white nationalist. So this, this accusation against him, this is one, you know, idiots on Twitter saying this stuff. This is the most grotesquely uh, defamatory, it's just, it's just horrible, just horrible that he would be slimed by that kind of accusation. Now the transphobe thing, at least there's a little meat on that in the sense that he's, he's talked about athletes, and that there's a risk to female athletes if there's a larger uh, somebody who was born With male body parts and testosterone, competes, you know, blah, blah, blah. The smaller person can get hurt. So that has targeted him for, uh, you know, for abuse from the left. So he kind of, he kind of created a position where he can't win. But let me pile on a little bit. May I pile on? Sure. Why not? So I love Joe Rogan personally and as an entertainment professional, one of the best people in the world, one of the best entertainers in the world. Nothing negative to say about him. But, (laughs) but I don't think he's an economist. Is that fair to say? You know, if I said that to Joe Rogan in front of him, I said, Joe, you know, I understand why you're backing uh, Bernie, but would you agree that you do not have a deep understanding of economics. I think he'd say yes. Would that be an unfair statement? That's not an insult. It's not an ad hominem. It's the same thing I said about Greta. And I'm not insulting Greta, you know, Tunberg, on uh, climate change. It's not an insult. It, it is simply a statement that some people have experience in different domains. And I think that, while I, I completely appreciate and In fact, I've said the same thing that Bernie's authentic personality is much to be admired. On many levels, I admire it. Uh, I have mad respect for Bernie for that reason. But it's still an economic decision, isn't it? I mean, no matter what you think of Bernie's character, the ultimate decision of Bernie versus not Bernie is really an economic decision. And I don't know how you could make... Um, a decision about voting for Bernie without a background, or at least enough background, on the, you know, the, the, the basic concepts of economics. So uh, I feel sorry for Joe Rogan. I'm sure he doesn't feel sorry for himself. I doubt that's in his, uh, in his mental vocabulary, to feel sorry for himself. I get the sense that that's just an unproductive feeling that he would be unlikely to experience because uh, he's mentally very tough, or so it appears. We can't read his mind. Um, but uh, if he ever thought that uh, backing Bernie was going to be the, the safe harbor, <laughs> I don't know if he thought that. But if he did think that, I guess he found out otherwise. Um, here's another story. I'll be talking about impeachment in a minute. In a minute. Did you hear about the pillowcase pillow rapist? So there was somebody named the pillowcase Rapist because he would put a pillowcase over his head many times, and he was a serial rapist. There were lots of unsolved rapes, and he was just caught. They're pretty sure they caught him because his son got in some legal trouble, and they got the son's DNA. And as soon as they ran the son's DNA through the database, boop, they found that it matched all. It matched close enough to be a close relative of whoever was the actual rapist. And then it was, it was a simple matter to find out that that guy's father also had some, uh, I think, some prior criminal record in that domain. And, and then it was a matter easy matter to pick him up, test his DNA, and they got him. Here's my point to all this. The, we are at a point, right now, we don't have to wait for anything. We already have everything we need, and this is going to happen guaranteed. of serial murderers and serial rapists will now be caught probably in the next 12 months. Think about that. We now have the technology that if we have some DNA, and I would say that in the case of a serial anything, you're always going to have DNA, right? Serial rapist, you're going to get some DNA somewhere. Serial murderer, you're going to get some DNA. Guaranteed. You're going to guess them. If they keep doing that kind of crime, you're always going to guess them. So in the next 12 months, thanks to companies like Othram that can do this kind of thing, they can look in a database and find out if you're related to anybody and then track you down, 2020 is the year, think about this, this is enormous, 2020 is the year that 100% of serial violent crimes get solved, all of them, every one of them. I think. I don't think we'll have a single one left on the books by the end of this year. I mean, just think about that. That's mind-blowing. You know, I predicted uh, years ago in my book, The Dilbert Future, that all crime would be solved in our lifetime. And here's the first concrete example. All serial crimes, violent ones, will be solved. All of them. Um, If you're tracking my um predictions, and you should. Here's one that's starting to shape up. How many of you have laughed at me? Ha ha ha, cartoon boy. Stick to Garfield, as they like to say. When I said that Kamala Harris would be the Democratic nominee. Ha ha ha, you're so wrong, Scott, because of all the reasons. And then she suspended her campaign. Double ha-ha-ha, Scott. Ha-ha-ha. You're so wrong, she's not even in the race anymore. And then I said, Hold. 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 Because she has another path to the White House. And that path is now being talked about by more people than me, including the New York Times, including the Sacramento Bee. They're now talking up... um, Senator Harris has been weighing an endorsement of Joe Biden. Oh, that's interesting. Kamala Harris is now, it's being reported in the New York Times, that Kamala is considering endorsing Joe Biden. Huh. Interesting, isn't it? And Sacramento Bee reports that they interviewed Joe Biden, and they asked him about picking Kamala Harris as a VP, and he said... uh, Would he consider her? He said he'd consider her for anything she wants, including vice president. He would consider her for anything she wants, including vice president. Now, if you were to look at Kamala Harris on her own, you'd say, not so strong. In fact, that's why she had to suspend her campaign, because compared to the other Democratic candidates, she didn't quite have the, the necessary parts. But she's a really good compliment for Joe Biden. Meaning that she's tiptoed into the progressive field a little bit, but not so much that she can't pull back and become a little bit more mainstream and still have a little bit of credentials in that progressive field. Because we like people who used to be something and then changed their mind, even though we say we didn't. Because we at least know that they've lived in both heads, they lived in, you know, they used to be a Democrat, now they're a Republican. That's an advantage, I would say, is somebody who's lived in both worlds. They've got a little appreciation. We treat it as as if it's flip-flopping and, and as if it's a, a a fault, but probably not. Now the reason that she's a good compliment to Biden is that Biden's opinions will be the focus, and she would just be a supporter. And as a just a supporter, she's not going to say too much that it isn't just what Biden is saying, and so there won't be much ammunition to go after her for her own opinions, nor does she need to be especially charismatic. Remember, I told you that it's going to be very hard for Biden to pick a running mate if he gets nominated, because he's got to pick a running mate that's a worse version of himself, because that's the the best look. Because you want to think, oh, the top person is definitely the top person, but you've got an emergency spare, it's a little smaller, it can get you 50 miles, that's all you need. Just a good, small-tire emergency spare. It won't take you all around the world, but it'll get you to the, to the service station. Uh, Kamala is the exact antidote to Biden. She's young, and she's experienced. She's a senator. She knows where all the parts are, so she knows how the, how the, the town works. Her weaknesses will be somewhat hidden by being a vice presidential candidate, but her strengths will be magnified. Because every time you see them or talk about them, you say, okay, he did pick a woman. He did pick a person of color. Check, check. We have less to worry about. Now you say to yourself, but Scott, 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 Kamala Harris is not popular in the the black community. Does it matter? Doesn't matter, because Biden is. Biden will give her what she needs at the same time that she's giving him what he needs which is the emergency spare tire in case he fails. And he's unlikely to, even if he were to win, which is deeply unlikely, he's very unlikely to go for a second term because of age. Who's the obvious next candidate if he doesn't go for a second term? His vice president pick. If, if he picks the right vice president, she would be established. Now, the the best part of this is that Kamala and Biden have the most Endorsements from establishment Democrats, which means the establishment likes them. And I believe that Warren has the most connections to uh, the Hillary Clinton machine, if you will. So it looks like Hillary Clinton will be the shadow president under the scenario that Biden wins and has Warren as the vice president. That would basically put Hillary Clinton back in the White House without having to run. Because of the chain of influence, all right, let's talk about um, so I put that out there. If you're tracking my predictions, that would be the one of the most wild predictions I've made, and it's shaping up to be more likely than you think that's That's more likely than you think. Here's another one. Do you remember that's from the start of this whole impeachment business? I kept saying. Uh, that there was one defense that i 'm not hearing from even the supporters of the president that needs to be the defense, and uh, what I said was that you need to establish that there was a national interest in looking into the biden barisma situation and did you did you know how frustrated I was getting because for weeks you know oh, i don 't know how long, but it seemed like weeks, I kept saying. You just have to say there was a national interest, and you're done. That's it. That's the whole story. Was there a national interest? Yes. If it's yes, it doesn't matter that it's also good for the president. So here's what's developing. So as I started out being, I think, just about the only person who was saying that, and now we see that it's uh, Lindsey Graham's primary argument. So Lindsey Graham is saying, you know, we don't want to call witnesses because we don't think we need them. But if we did, the central question is going to be, did the president have a legitimate reason to look into Burisma and Biden? And, and the, there's a suggestion, yes. On top of that, the Democrats' own defense, or uh, not defense, but the Democrats' own lawyers have made the case that president trump believed what they call conspiracy theories about ukraine they say he believed that ukraine was you know had interfered in the elections that my friends should be the end of the impeachment cuz all you need to know is the evidence that the democrats themselves have introduced all you have to do is accept it accept their case don't accept even the republicans case if you accept the Democrats' own framing for this, it's over. Because the Democrats have suggested strongly, and and based on actual evidence of the president's conversations with real people who report them, there is real reporting from direct evidence people that the president seemed, as far as they could tell, to believe that that Ukraine was legitimately something to be looked into. Now, as long as the president believed that to be the case, does it matter if it's true? It doesn't. Because the entire case revolves around the president's intentions. And if it was true that he legitimately believed, as the, as the Democrats themselves are reporting, this is not even the Republicans' case. This is the Democrats' case against him. They say he believed the conspiracy theories about Ukraine we're done. If he believed it, their own case, that's what, he said, that's what they say, that's all you need. Because he can be wrong and not get impeached. It is not impeachable to make an assumption which is wrong. It is not impeachable to, to um, believe something that, that turns out to not be true. But beyond that, if we have witnesses, you can guarantee that Hunter Biden's right on the top of the list. So Lindsey Graham has focus on this. By far, he has the best framing for how this whole thing should be run. The best framing outside of Alan Dershowitz, who says you don't even need to talk about the details because it just you know, doesn't meet the constitutional test on the surface, so the details are irrelevant. You don't even need to get that far. But you saw I did a big tweet thread on the same point saying that the the main question is whether Burisma was worth looking into from a national interest. You saw that Rush Limbaugh, um, or I told you, Rush Limbaugh did an extended segment talking about my tweets and and talking about the the same point that uh, there was a national interest to look into this stuff. And now we see in the New York Times, they've printed an opinion piece by... uh, Josh Blackman, a constitutional law professor at South Texas College of Law in Houston. And he basically uh, explains that, um, that it's completely acceptable in our system to have a president do something that's, in his own mind, primarily for re-election, that that's not impeachable, as long as there's also an argument that it has something to do with the national good. It doesn't matter if it's 90-10. 90% You know, 90% of it is for my own good, or 99% of it is for my own good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if the candidate thinks 100% of it is only for their self-interest. So long as there's also a national argument. And there is. There is a genuine national concern. So the New York Times, of course, it's an opinion piece. That doesn't mean that the New York Times editorial board or anybody else agrees with it. But they printed it. So now you're seeing that the the, the weight of argument is, is shifting in that direction. So if you're trying to determine if I'm uh, causing the simulation to change or simply predicting it, well, hard to tell, isn't it? <laughs> I'll just leave that out there. Um, and even Jay Sekulow, Sekulow has, has said that that question is now relevant because he said that um, the, the Bidens were now fair game in the trial because the Democrats have, quote, opened the door. So in legal terms, if one side brings up a topic, that makes it fair game for the other side to discuss it. Now, you could argue that they shouldn't have brought it up, but they did. So now the Democrats have opened that question of whether the Burisma-Biden thing was appropriate, which means <clears throat> if they want more witnesses, they're going to have witnesses on that topic um, and um, and also Senator Josh Hawley, Republican in Missouri, is also echoing the same point. He says, it's now clear we absolutely must call Hunter Biden, uh, and we probably need to call Joe Biden. So you see that the president's defense is starting to move toward that. Now, the other day, yesterday, I think, uh, some people uh, pushed back a little bit because I said that the president's lawyers were very good. They're, they're excellent lawyers. I said that they have so far botched the defense. Let me, let me <clears throat> clarify that. They're not done with the defense. So one cannot say that they have botched the defense like as a, a statement of, of the end, because we're closer to the beginning than the end. When the president's defense seriously kicks into gear, I think they're just going to demolish the Democrats. What I said in terms of it botched so far, I'm going to stick to that because now that you've seen the, the Lindsey Graham framing and now you know, Sekulow's framing and Josh Hawley's framing, my framing, Rush Limbaugh, you see, you see a lot of people thinking about this and watching saying, you know, maybe the focus should have been that, that one question. And if I said to you, tell me the president's defense, all right, if you watched if you watched the opening statements from the president's lawyers, what's their defense? I actually don't know. I actually don't know. Do you? If I said what is what do you remember from what the uh Democrats are saying about the the, the president, you probably remembered because they've repeated it so many times, they're focusing on it. They're they're withholding the information because he he uh, tried the president tried to uh, force a foreign country, country to interfere with our elections you know what the democrats are saying right you know they're saying he used it to dig up dirt and that they're withholding documents that's all you know all the details the public doesn't know it's just too confusing but you know that now do it the other way what's the what's the president